I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. James, I sense you're fired up this morning. You're ready to go. It's almost December. It's getting cold. There's lots to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready yeah. to rock. Hey, it's like the this can be like the quarter waymark show for us. It's uh, next game is the Leafs' twentieth. So, um, you know, we went got through American Thanksgiving. That's considered a, a really important point in the NHL season. Um, starting to it's it's not early anymore. I think we can probably say about the league right now. Yeah, so that's actually a good place to start. And I should add, uh, thanks to our buddy CJ for, for filling in last week. Um, so 19 games in the books for the Leafs. How fair do you think it is to to come to conclusions about the team? Like, I, I think the point that it's not early is, is right. I think we can make some determinations, but how much do you think we should read into what we've seen so far? Um, I think probably in general too much is made about the American Thanksgiving, but... The point that is accurate is that it's hard to make up ground with the way the NHL standings work with, you know, with like the overtime loss points and shootouts and everything. It's hard to gain ground. Like, I, you know, like if, if in a dream world, the Leafs were going to catch up to Boston, I mean, they're, they're already back eight points. Um, it's, it's really tough to do. I mean, you could win all your head to heads if it's a team in your division like that, but you know, the, the Leafs right now have 23 points after 19 games, which puts them 13th in the league. And I think that that's probably about fair. That's probably what they've earned. And, you know, coming into the year, we would have said 13th is a disappointment. So, you know, I think that I think it's been a pretty good read on what they've accomplished so far. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I, I mean, you look at them right now and and they just don't feel like a great team. Like they don't feel like, I mean, they don't feel like a Stanley cup ten- contender to me. Um, that can change obviously a lot with the roster can change. Um, but five reg- regulation wins on the season. They have a goal differential of plus one. They've been outscored at five on five. Their penalty kill has been better, but it's still not great. I don't love their power play. I know it sits, I think it's like fifth in the league, but I don't, Love it. I don't think it's as good as it was. Their goaltending is, eh. I mean, how much of the roster do you think can be fixed and how much do you think is just going to be the roster and they're just going to have to figure some stuff out, including some of their their best players playing better than they have? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, 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 you know what I would say, Jonas, is that since they, since Klingberg has been sat down and since they've decided to mix Reeves out in some games, Things look better kind of on the back end. They've won more games. Do they look like world beaters? No. Um, you don't want to be you don't want to be blowing leads to Chicago. Um, a team that's down in the basement that's gonna gonna that's really rebuilding. Um, you know, so you know, and they, they had the four game winning streak, um, but against a lot of, you know, struggling teams, Cal- Calgary, yes. Minnesota. Detroit, I mean, Detroit's, I wouldn't say struggling. Vancouver is a good win for sure. Like the Calgary win was, was, I mean, but it still went to a shootout. Like they played pretty well that, that game. But yeah, like that's the thing. Like I, I think their best win this year is the Dallas game. 
Uh, that was in Dallas. But then, like, the, the other wins. So these are their wins. They beat Montreal in a shootout. They beat the Wild in, like, an, a high-scoring game at home. Uh, beat Tampa in overtime. Beat Washington. Beat Dallas. Beat Tampa in overtime. High-scoring game. Calgary in a shootout. Vancouver, nice win. Detroit, they beat in Sweden. Detroit was playing second night of a back-to-back. They didn't. The Leafs had to come back in that game. Didn't play particularly well. And then they beat Minnesota in overtime in Sweden, a game they also didn't play great. I don't know. Like it, it I mean, you you look since that they started five and two. They have only two regulation wins. I, I think your point about you know since Klingberg came out. They've been a bit better, but it, like that's not that many games, and I don't know that they played particularly well in those games. Like that's Detroit, Minnesota, Chicago, Pittsburgh. It's like uh, I don't know, and and I and I wonder. I mean, Klingberg now on L- L- long term injured reserve. Um, let's talk about that. Like that's trending towards him not returning, and then cap space being opened up to replace him. Is that? fair to just put it in those simple terms yeah i mean I, it's hard to you know if he gets shut down for the year it's something that the league is going to be keeping an eye on um do you think that wait can i interrupt you there do you think that is partly because of who the team is and what they've done with i LTI mean probably i mean the, the matt murray one i know that there was you know there were teams that didn't love it um you know and i, I think that the league now has a process um, that's a little bit more involved to determine that this just isn't, you know, shutting down a, someone who's underperforming, that there's really a need. Um, you know, I, this hasn't been decided yet. So, you know, we're speculating, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, if, it, if it's getting shut down for like a surgery or something like that, you know, the players got to decide that they, they're on board with that. Right. So, um, but it it seems that's the direction that it's going to go. It seems that the that and and it's it's quite fortunate for the Leafs given how he was playing. Um, it's almost like a mulligan, you know, from ever having signed him. If they get that money, you know, I was playing around with their their cap sheet. You know, Lilgren comes back. I mean, they're gonna they could have you know four million ish to play with. And that's a lot of money, especially if you start factoring in, you know, you make a trade. If you make a trade with a rebuilding team and they retain half the salary, all of a sudden that $4 million can look more like $8 million. And then you can either add like one really good player or two really solid players in exchange for someone who was, as I said earlier, was really dragging down their results. Like if you look at, when did Klingberg last play? I think it was like five games ago, right? It wasn't that long yeah. ago. Yeah, it was the Vancouver game. So I looked at the last four games and, uh, you know, their share of like scoring chances, expected goals and everything there. I think they were up to 11th, whereas before that point, they were down in the, you know, bottom 10 of the league. Um, so, you know, there's there's signs of improvement just with that one change. And then if you can bring in reinforcements with the cap space, there's some hope. Um but the concern is, you know, kind of like this, a lot of, the, there's just so many things that aren't really great right now with the team and that just, and, and, and some really important pieces. I know you wrote about Mitch Marner on the weekend. I encourage people to go read that piece. Um, you know, even if there's, there's a bump here from taking Klingberg out and replacing him with something else, I, I don't think that that flips a switch and then all of a sudden this team is you know, top five in the NHL. They've, they've got some other things that they need to get back on track. Yeah, I think that's right. Like there are a lot of issues with the roster and, and that's, I mean, that's a difficult thing. And and I, the only thing I would say with the, the Klingberg Mulligan thing is it, it is a Mulligan in a sense, but like you're still going to have to now trade stuff to replace him. So it does come at a cost. And I think your, your point uh, on, on whether, he decides that's what he wants to do. I think it's like a really difficult decision, right? Like, because if he ends his season, what does his future look like? What does he get as a free agent next summer? He's probably like a minimum guy. Is he a PTO guy? Like, and, and, you know, I, I believe it, it's, it, it'd be a hip surgery, right? Which is really significant and really hard to come back from. I mean, we saw, I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. I don't know the particulars of the procedure that he would potentially undergo. 
But look what happened with Nick Backstrom, right? And Nick Backstrom's an unbelievable yeah. player. And and Backstrom's older. You know, Klingberg Klingberg's what, like thirty one years old? Like he's got time on his side. You know, like if he was thirty four, thirty five. Um, the 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 unfortunate thing with Klingberg, and and I know he's become you know, kind of a whipping boy in Toronto for the way that he's played. And perhaps at times we've been guilty of <laughs> being too critical of him. Um, when it seems clear, it seems clear that there's something not right with his body. I mean, like just like the gaps he was giving up and the way that he was playing and the decisions he was making, you can see how potentially, um, you know, him not being right physically contributes to some of this. But, you know, here's a guy who turned down, whatever, around $50 million at one point, gets a $7 million deal last year, gets $4 million this year, and there's some question over if he has any future in the league. I mean, that's just, that's got to be a really hard thing to live with. If this was a lingering issue dating back before his time in Toronto, did the front office know about it? If they did, why... Did they sign him? Like, did they think it was going to be okay? Did they think he could play through it if they didn't know about it? That's concerning. I mean, either way you spin it, it's it's not great. It's not a great look for anyone. Um, that I mean, that's a I, worthwhile I don't conversation. Get, you know, whenever there's like another availability with with the GM, that's a good question to ask is, was, was there due diligence done in terms of the physical and all that, because normally that's the case with free agent signings. Normally there's a, a process that teams go through. You know, sometimes you see those contracts and it says pending physical or, or yeah, yeah. physical. So the problem for them is like, there's not really a good answer. If they knew about it and signed him anyway, given everything else that was like all the other red flags, that's concerning. If they didn't know about it, that's also concerning. Like it's There's not- this conspiracy theory out there that they knew about it and thought, oh, we'll just LTIR him if it doesn't work out. But I, I, that's I don't that doesn't seem that doesn't seem no. wise. What type of defenseman do you think they need? Do you think they need like and even like do you think they need a lefty? Do you think they need a right D? Do you think they need like do you think they need a type like him who can move the puck? Do you think they need someone like more like Chris Tanev who can kill penalties? Yeah. Like what if you're picking, like what do you think that guy looks like? You need someone who's a top four for sure. You don't want a guy that's like a fringe four or five because they've got some of those guys. Um, Too many, yeah. I think ideally, I think I, I would want either someone who can play with Riley and, and eat big minutes on and play on the right side or someone who's really, really good on the left side. I think those should be the options. Either it's like a really strong veteran defensive type who can play with Riley or, and we talked about this, I think, the last time you and I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, like the Noah Hannafin, like the really high-end defenseman um, who, in an ideal world, can can be with the team longer than just being a rental. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, yeah, you can go in a lot of different directions. I think you're right. I think that's, I mean, that's a good thing for them. Like, they're not, they don't necessarily just need one thing. They kind of just need someone better than what they have who can play, like you, you mentioned in your top four. I don't know about the Riley thing anymore, like just with how well he's played with Brody. But I mean, you saw last year in the playoffs, he played with Shen and that really worked You can well see the cracks that. in Brody though in some of these games, right? Like, Yes, you can. That's, Good that, point. Like yep, that's fair. why I say that because Brody's looking... Well, you're going to have to play him any... Yeah, I Brody's guess that's, looking that's, more that's like a part second of this, right? guy in some of these games. You know, I really like his start to the season, but, you know, it seems to be slipping a little bit. Well, I think part of that and like I've I've had this like in notes to to write about at some point and just kind of keep kicking it down the road. They've they've really relied on that pair a lot in in difficult situations, and they've really played Brody a lot, probably more than is ideal. Like his minutes have have jumped, Riley's have jumped quite a bit, and he's obviously been fine and had actually. You know, I was thinking, James, and you can actually answer this. I was, I was sitting waiting for the plane from Pittsburgh or to from Pittsburgh to Toronto. And I was thinking like, man, like who have been their best players if I was going to rank them? And I was like, I think their best player has obviously been Neander. I think their second best player has been Riley. And then after that, I was like, hmm, I don't know who's next. Yeah. Well, I, who would you say? Like who's been their third best it'll player? It'll be interesting. You know, I said to you, I, I texted you this morning. I said, we should probably do like uh, the report cards at the quarter way mark of the season after the next game, which of course you were already... <laughs> you were already ready to do anyway. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how many bees or higher are in are in your group. Um, let me think here. I'm just I'm just looking over things. I think it's I I can give you some options. Like I I think Tavares is an option. I think Matthews is an option. Yeah, Tavar- Tavares has been fine. And then it's like I don't. Yeah, Matthews had such a good know. start, and then it's been. He's been very quiet. What does he have? Like two points in seven games or something like that. I don't know. He he start. He looks a little bit like last year, Matthews. Now for some reason, like I don't. I, I'm not really sure. I don't know if there's any buzz around the team about. Has anyone asked him about how he's feeling about everything? Well, I I think it's it's about that line just yeah. hasn't worked the whole, the entire season, and and I think he's searching for answers for that. And, and that's actually a good segue. Let's let's talk about that. Uh, actually, I was going to say, uh, let me just throw out a couple a other names. I was just like Lilgren. Lilgren's yeah, had a pretty okay. good season before he got hurt. I like the way that he was playing. Bertuzzi's really come on of late, but you know, I'm after a bad start. Uh, I would say Yarncroc's been fine. Robertson's been fine. Um, Nice has been okay. Um, yeah, uh, there's not, there should not be a lot of B pluses and A's on your report card is what I would say. Yeah, and that kind of matches with where the team is at, right? Like, yeah. if the team isn't very good, and you're not going to have a lot of players playing particularly, particularly well. Uh, let's take a break, and then let's talk about the top line. Let's talk about Martin, and let's talk about Matthews. And then we have, do we have some questions? I will have to double check. So <laughs> Okay, we'll come back, and we'll get into some of that stuff next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, James. Uh, so the top line has been having some issues. I think they've really not been on their game the entire season. Like, I don't, it didn't work with Bertuzzi. I mean, it, what's funny is like a lot of the underlying numbers with Bertuzzi look pretty good. Actually, the best of the variations of that line. Um, but it just hasn't been great. Um, no matter who's really been on the left side. And I think like, you don't want to put it all on Marner because it's not just about Marner, but that's a big part of it. Like he just hasn't looked like himself the entire season. Like he's on pace for 86 points, which is like for most players, great. Not really for him. I just don't think he's had his usual impact. What have you seen from, from Marner? So yeah. Far? I mean, he doesn't look like one of the best players in the league, which, you know, in, in previous seasons, he's, he's just very noticeable. I mean, if you're playing two $11 million guys together on a line, they should be really all over the opposition. And that's just, and, 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 you know, to their credit in the regular season, for the most part, they usually have been that they usually have been a team that a line that whoever's on the left side, you know, they're getting 60% of the scoring chances and they're hemming other teams in the, the zone and they're they're but they just haven't looked very dangerous. This is the, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Marner's never had a season where he's been underwater on, you know, like with him on no, not like with this. him on the ice. You know, possession forty eight point nine percent, shots on goal at even strength forty seven percent. You know, scoring chances under they're you know forty nine percent under fifty percent. Like they're they're getting out chanced with Marner on the ice, and 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 Matthews most of the time too, obviously because they play together. Um. I think it's a good point. And and the other thing too is that, you know, the shooting percentage is pretty high with Marner out there as well. So, you know, um I, I you know, like I, I think that 
you know, the, their numbers even look a little bit better than, you know, I hate to look at like plus minus and stuff like that, but I would guess like they're plus minus. I, I, I don't even know what the number is for them. I would guess it's better than it probably should be just because Matthews had that heater early in the season. But just in terms of like how much time they're spending defending, we haven't really seen that before from those guys. Marner is, Marner is minus three. Like, and I mean, normally he has, he's like nowhere even close to that. You're right. Like the, the amount of time that they're spending defending and the, the conversely, the amount of time they're spending on offense is just like, this never happens. Like I'm just looking, as you're talking, I was going back and looking at like um, some of the goal differential stuff for them in previous seasons. So 2021, uh, the short season, 49-23, the Leafs outscored teams when they were on the ice, Matthews and Marner. Two years ago, 60 to 36. Great, right? Like it's exactly what you're saying. Two $11 million players, you're destroying teams. Like all the other underlying metrics are all amazing. Last year, 33 to 20 with Marner and Matthews on the ice. Underlying stuff, all really good. So far this year, they have been outscored. Or actually, no, 14 to 13. I, I, I know that they're putting them out against other teams' top lines, in part because they don't have a lot of personnel, like they can't play the third line or the fourth line in those situations. They don't really want to play the second line in those situations either. But, yeah. you know, they're starting them in the offensive zone a lot. You know, Marner's even strength offensive zone percentage is 65%. Like, they're, they're it's not like they're not getting offensive minutes. So to be starting in the offensive zone as much as they are, and then to be getting outchanced and, and even outscored, it's... It's, you know what it is, Jonas, it's confusing. I don't really, honestly, I don't, I don't know what's going, I don't know why that's happening. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have an explanation for that, but it's, I, I think it's time and I, you, you've talked about this in the past. I think it's time to break them up and look at something else. Let's get to that in a second, because I want to continue a little bit further on, like you mentioned the top lines that they're facing. They always face top lines. Like that's never been an issue. They've, they've just they're that good and they're that good defensively. Like I think some of this James, like is we've talked about this in the past is tied to the defense. Like the numbers with Klingberg were just like awful when he was on the ice with them. So that was like part of it, but they just don't look like they're in sync. And, and like part of it is like Marner Marner's control of the puck, passing the puck, moving the puck, controlling the puck just hasn't been sharp. Like, He's throwing pucks away. They're they're very much like a one and done kind of offense right now. Like they don't really grind teams down and like it's like chance, 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 chance. And you look at Matthews, Matthews has now two seven game streaks where he hasn't scored a five on five goal. And that's just like this guy is like the best five on five goal scorer in the league. Like basically since I mean, he, he came looked into like the league. it for the first whatever twelve games and then but uh, they don't look dominant defensively. Like they don't. No, they, not at they're all. Not, that's, they're not all yeah. over the other team. And their schedule has not been that tough. Like they have not played a lot of great teams. You know that. No, in fact, they've played like a lot of not yeah, great like teams. Let me look up their, their strength of schedule. Like they're, they're, you know, like you're watching them against, I don't know, Chicago and a Calgary team that's struggling. Minnesota's really struggling. And then they're still getting outplayed. And it's like, what is going on? Like that line should never get outplayed against bad teams. It's, um, all right, I'm pulling up some of Dom's calculations. So the Leafs right now are on pace for, by Dom's projections, 101 points, 87% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, only a 10% chance of winning the division at this point. Boston's got a huge, huge lead there right now. And Florida's had a really good season. And the thing, so the Leafs had a chance to make up some ground on Tampa and Florida because Vasilevsky was out and he's back now. And uh, Florida was missing Ekblad and Montour. And they're both back now. And I feel like those teams are going to be challenging. And then you've got, you know, Ottawa and Detroit are hanging around in the division too. Buffalo and Montreal are in trouble. But um, to get back to what I was saying, uh, games played to date, strength of schedule, Leafs are where the heck are they on this list? They're they're like bottom bottom ten basically. Like they have not the the projected points for their opponents that they've played so far is ninety points. So they they it's below a little bit below average basically. Um, you know, and you look at you look at some other teams they they 
you know, like Detroit. Detroit's had like a much tougher schedule. And what that means to some extent is that the Leafs schedule is going to be harder the rest of the way. Um, their strength of schedule the rest of the way is, you know, about like the 10th most difficult. Um, you know, the, the, these stats are on, uh, up on The Athletic and updated every day on our site. So if, if people haven't seen that before, uh, go to uh, theathletic.com slash NHL and you can see all that stuff updated every day. I find it super useful just to check in here and gives you an idea of, uh, of where everything's at. Yeah, and so to your point, like to you mentioned making a change. The problem, like, is is it's really hard to make a change when Tavares, Bertuzzi, Neander have been like so mm-hmm. dominant, like so, so, so dominant. They weren't great, you know, in the Pittsburgh game, but like that's been the exception. I think if that continued for another game or two, I think that's when a change is made. And you see Neander go up and replace Marner. But other than that, like that, that's really the only thing that you can do. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was thinking, I don't think they want to play Matthew Nyes there. I think if it was ideal, he'd be lower in the lineup. He's a rookie. He's looking like a rookie. Should. But what do you do? Like, who do you put there instead? Like Bertuzzi has fit really well with Tavares. That's a good thing. We'll talk about Bertuzzi later. I don't know what you do. I mean, part of it is like it's it's easy to look at that third guy and be like, "Wow, he needs they need someone better there," and I think that's true. But it it it, sh- it shouldn't matter when you have two of the whatever best players in the world. They should be able to carry like they carried around. Remember when they had Joe Thornton on their wing? At you know when Thornton was like right at the end of his career, really, really at the end of his career, and like they were fine. Like they've just been able to take whoever like Michael Bunting would fit really well with them but like Michael Bunting was like a very untested player he fit really well with them they carried him like you should just be able to get by with whoever in that spot and be okay but I mean I guess if, if Marner's not playing great and Matthews isn't playing great obviously you're not going to be great I mean well, it's, the, the it was interesting builds, James. like even looking at sorry some, to interrupt I mean the team is built where like those guys have to be done I mean even we've seen previous seasons that they've been They've been really, really good, and they've propped up some other weaknesses on the roster. Yeah, and and I mean that's the thing, and that's why I didn't love. Like I, th- I thought it was kind of refreshing to hear Keith just be honest and just say like Marner hasn't played to the standard that you expect. That's exactly what is happening, and then he kind of backtracked about it after the game, which like you, I, d- I just don't think you need to do. Like Marner. The expectations are really high for them. He's made them high. He's been a great player. He's one of the greatest players the franchise has ever had. If this is how he's going to play, like it's going to be hard for them to be a great team. I think that's, I think that's only obvious. I mean, do you think putting Neilander with Matthews makes sense? Like, do you think making a change with him makes sense just because of how well he's fit on that line so far? Do you think it doesn't matter just because him and Matthews? have played really well together in the well, past. I mean, I think you have two options. One of them is like the safer, more straightforward option, and the other one is a bit wacky. So You love wacky. <laughs> I'm not necessarily saying this is the way I would go, but the straightforward option is you just flip Marner and Nylander, which we've seen before, you know? And maybe you yeah. think about Yarncrock up with on the Matthews line just to give you something more dif- more defensively. Yeah. Um, but then you would be, then it would be, Maybe what would you do, Robertson, Domi, Nyes? <laughs> like that would yeah, that would have to tough, be a, right? a super sheltered line. The the wack. Do you know what the wacky version is? You know what I'm going to say? I have an idea. I think I sent. I think I sent you a mock up lineup you with did. it. Yeah, I mean, you could. I like. Could you try Marner with Domi and just try and balance out your three lines a little bit more? The problem would be like, I mean, among other reasons, ice time. Yep. Like, how would you get him the minutes? That but some, to something's got to I mean, change. You can just though, right? move him around. Something's got to give here. Yeah, I mean, like I, I wrote about this in Sweden because it was right around this time last year. Or actually, it was right around that time last year that that's exactly what they did. Marner and Matthews didn't get off to a great start. They changed it. They put Neilander with Matthews. They took off, and that was that. And like they went back and forth a bunch throughout the year. But that was the change that they made. But because Neilanders played so so well on that line, like they they probably feel hard done to change it. I get it. I wouldn't. Um, but it's it's getting there. Like I, I think any game now that that change could happen if that other line slows I'm surprised down. we haven't seen it more I mean, in, in-game. Like, you know, normally normally yeah. Keith's like Mr. Blender likes to hit all the different buttons and like 
throw in a lot of combinations, but like, I mean, Matthews and Marner have basically played, haven't they played like together every most shift of, of every game this year? Yeah, they, they hold, they, I don't think they've been split up at all. Yeah. At all. And I mean, like, so these are the numbers for Bertuzzi, Neolander, Tavares. Leafs have outscored teams eight to three. Uh, I should adjust this, but anyway, you get the point. 64% expected goals. 65% of the No, it has nothing chances. to do like with they them. Just, like, I mean, it has teams. nothing. It just, yeah, so the yeah, five no, you're five, right. Marner yeah, and Matthews I, have I been apart 24 minutes this season. So like, it basically like just like when there's like line changes or something is the only time that they're not on the ice together. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting, James, like in Pittsburgh, I have never seen this. Pittsburgh used their top pair against Neander and Tavares. They didn't, like they, they mixed it a bit. Like they Latang and uh, Graves saw parts against Matthews because that's how it's going to go. Well, obviously, top the Penguins four. president's probably their been watching assignment. and can see what the best line is. Yeah. yeah, right. Like that is that's a good point. I never thought of that, but that's that's never happened. That just speaks to how poorly it's gone. And yeah, I, I mean, you're right. Something has to change. Like you can't just keep rolling it out. I I mean, it's like I guess the issue is like you're trying to solve one problem and and in the process hurting another thing that's gone well for you would be the yeah thing. but i think it's so. i think it's time to get some looks at some different things i mean it's it's a fair yeah. point that they don't have a whole lot of different options you know like even that third line i know that there's been lots of talk i mean the third line's been productive offensively and now they finally have some threats from lower in the lineup which is great but some of the mistakes they've made defensively, which are which are predictable, um, you know, you're just a little bit nervous with that line on the ice, especially when you're on the road and the other team can uh, can throw some some of their best players at it. Like they're they're just not going to they're I not going to be ready for that. You're right, and Sheldon Keefe has not really been all that shy about saying so or saying so through his actions. Like you look at that game, they played the second game in Sweden. That line. Barely got on the ice. Barely. Like Domi played 758. Nick Robertson played like 740 something. Um, and it was interesting, James. Like before the game in Pittsburgh, Chris Cuthbert asked Keith, like, um, you know, like a kind of starting to feel like comfortable with that third line and feeling like you can rely on it. And there was like this pause where he's like, well, it's early. We'll see. Defensively, some of that stuff that you worry about has been an issue. They pulled pucks out of their net. And like, he obliquely, obliquely is it, or what's the word when you're not, you don't want to say the person's name, but you're going to kind of go around it. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. I do not have, I do not have, I don't have the word. I don't have <laughs> I don't a know. word for you. Okay. Tell me the anecdote. Maybe I'll come up with the word. Well, basically Keith said like, uh, he was asked after the game, like about the third goal, which was the Carlson goal. And he said, no, what really I think swung the game was the second goal where our forward has the puck and has a chance to move it out and break Robertson. the puck out and decides to go back right. He, and he doesn't say the forward's name, which is Robertson. And that's like, those are the kinds of things that I think will drive him crazy with Robertson and will drive him crazy with that line is like, you can't really depend on it. And that is like, that goes back to the off season. That, those are roster construction issues that they just, for whatever reason, didn't foresee. I mean, I guess their plan was to play Neander at, at center and that was like the idea but clearly Keith did not want to do that and now they're in this position where it's not just defense that they need they need a third line center like I don't I don't know how you can accomplish all these different things like get a top four defenseman maybe even get a, a, another defenseman after that yeah, if they had like a good I really think, good like, two-way if they had a Ryan O'Reilly type <laughs> yeah that would um that would certainly help. I mean, you need to make sure you have some offense coming from that third line. They, they're not going to be able to get away with not having offense from the third and fourth line. So, you know, playing Domi with Robertson now. I'm just, I'm just looking at at how they've they've fared together, and just in terms of it's their numbers are actually yeah, pretty good. Like, to yeah. be fair, it's like the the underlying numbers are pretty good. I think the goal differential is basically even. I think they're maybe up one, but yep, five goals, four, four against. Yep, yeah. I mean, like to the eye test, like that line has been. I think that that's why he's getting the questions from people like like 
Chris Cuthbert was like, you know, like they've put some nice goals in, you know, they're not playing huge minutes. Um, you know, for all the, you know, I know Robertson's not perfect, but he he's looked a lot better in this audition than he ever has before in the NHL. So it's, that's very encouraging, I think for the, for the Leafs. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. He looks, he looks like he's more he's, ready to play and like he's, older he's moving he's, better. Like he's just, he's in the play yeah, more. He's, he's making the right decision more. Like, you know, the eight game after eight games, he looks way more like an NHL player. The difficulty is, is finding that player and then trading for that player. I've started like a preliminary list of, of some options. I think that like, it's something that they could do. There are people out there who I think fit. Um, but that's it's not easy to pull off all this this stuff. It would really help them if they had like, I mean, a third line like they kind of had last year with O'Reilly. That line didn't totally work in the playoffs, but it was like a safeish kind of line. You know what I mean? Like it was like he could put that line on the ice against anyone and not be scared. And then when you combine that with Matthews, and then like he's not scared if Camp is on the ice, although that's not gone well this year. Um. So yeah. Um. I did want to talk about Bertuzzi before we get to questions. He's looked like the last few weeks, he looks like Tyler Bertuzzi. Like this, if this is what they're getting for the rest of the year, that signing is a good signing. Not much else from the summer has worked for them. That has worked for them if that's who he's going to be. Well, I would say the last, what would you call it, like seven games or something like that. There have been instances in some of those games where he's been their best player. He's, I would say at least... I would say probably like three recent games. You get to the end of the game, you're like, "Yeah, he was he was really good." Um, so I mean, it's I mean they're paying him five and a half. He he was the biggest. We spent a lot of time on this show, or we have anyway, talking about you know whatever Reeves and Klingberg and and stuff like that. But their biggest bet that they made in the off season was Bertuzzi, and he he looks he looks like a top line player. He looks like a really good winger and. You know, that line's been good. That line's been that line's been really dangerous. So, I certainly understand the reluctance to break it up. Um, I don't know. It's. I wonder. Is there any indication? Do you think maybe there's an injury situation with either Matthews or Marner, or because it just, like I said earlier, it's it's confusing what's happening right now with with those two. There's not been any any hint of that. Again, they're not publicizing that kind of stuff. They don't. I mean, it's not like they're going to come out and be like, "This guy's hurt and this guy's hurt." And this yeah, guy's but you know, it. sometimes it's, it's not like the NFL where they actually, there's like rumors. Yeah, where or it's whatever. like kind of yeah. whispers, scuttlebutt. Sometimes mm. there's scuttlebutt rumblings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes like I mean, Marner basically had this start last year, almost like mm. exactly. But for 19 um, games, though, you remember. It wasn't. Yeah, so after 19 games last year, he had four goals and 22 points. Yeah, but what, 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 what about year? in terms of like controlling play and that kind no. of stuff? No. Oh, yes. No, it wasn't like this. No. I that's the I, thing. I actually haven't looked at that's that. That's the thing that stands out to me. Yeah. That, I mean, and when you say he has as many points as he does this year, it's like, really? Like, I don't... I don't... I, well, and, and James, like eight of those points were in those two four-point games which came back mm. to back and like... That's why Keith brought up, like, you know, he's leading our team in 505 score. And it's like, yeah, but that's not, come on, like 13, like he's not, not been, he's not scored a five on five point in 13 of 19 games. Like he's, like, he just hasn't been good and, and they need him to be great. Um, that's what they're paying him for. And like, honestly, like he wanted to, to, you know, he pushed for a contract that put him amongst the highest paid players in the league. Like that's, you get expectations. You, you've built these expectations through your play and like part of it is obviously how much you're paid but like um the Bertuzzi thing is is an important uh development for them because now he's like this is better than bunting like this player that they have right now that's better than bunting like bunting is was not quite at that level um he's generating tons of chances like he's just like in involved and he's like kind of like a pest like he's every loose puck he's like poking and prodding and he's like second efforts. And I wonder James, like if, if it, part of it is just like comfort familiarity with the team. Like I remember talking to Cal Yarncroft about this last year and he's like a really shy guy. He had never, like he had played for a couple different teams at that point, 
but it, he said it like it really took him a while to get comfortable with the staff and comfortable with his teammates. And I wonder if, if some of that has happened with Bertuzzi, where it just took him some time to kind of feel his way into a new situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, for sure, for sure, Bertuzzi is not a guy who courts the limelight. Like it's not, that's <laughs> no. just not, that's he not his not. personality. I mean, I don't, I don't know if fans can see that in the interviews and watching on TV and whatever, but that's just not, you know, I don't know how close he is with his uncle, but I, I watched his uncle Todd play a ton in Vancouver. I mean, I was still living in BC at the time and it's sort of the same thing, like not the most comfortable guy in the, in the spotlight and with the media. Um, so it, it's, it's a lot for people. I mean, even, you know, you know, I find yeah. now Jonas, like you, you go to the games or you go in the, to the practice in the dressing room, like there's fewer media than there used to be. Like it's, it's not the same as it used to be. There's not, you know, four newspapers and four TV stations there every day. So it's not as demanding, but it's still a lot. I mean, you're, anything you say can be blown up and put on TV and on social media right away. And, you know. Well, and James, even at something, some things you don't say, like sitting on the bench smiling. Right. Remember that whole thing? Right. It's like. Yeah. So. That would never happen in Detroit. Right. And Detroit's like a pretty big hockey market. It's just like, you know, playing for the Leafs, the attention is more like kind of like being on an NFL team or something like that. And it's, there's lots of guys around the league who don't want any part of that. And not because they don't like the city or or they don't think the team is, is, is a good team. It's just that level of scrutiny is, is hard to deal with. And, you know, I, I don't think I would, <laughs> I don't think I would like it either. I will say, I do think they lost something with Bunting that they, miss like there's a there was a spirit with bunting not always for the good but like there was something with him that i he was obviously very comfortable in this market he's from this market he never had a problem with that i think reining him in was their challenge they're not drawing as many penalties which is an issue sort of like bunting drew a million it just, penalties. i feel like there was even more penalties. to that story because they were so done with bunting by like whatever middle of the season last year like they were there was just like what i was hearing is like there's no chance this guy's coming back like there's not even gonna hardly be any contract talks or anything and like it's too bad because he's a hometown guy had a great great backstory and like best friends with matt yeah like all the all the the players seemed to like him but the organization was just like get this guy out of here it felt like and yeah no it's i you know and there's a guy that like likes the spotlight and seemed okay in it but I just, I feel like maybe there's more. Um, this is a non sequitur, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Uh, you mentioned camp. So I was looking at camp and I was wondering if not playing with Reeves had been doing him some favors. It doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I looked at that. Um, it doesn't do him any favors. Yeah, no. So about, uh, do, 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 do. He's, he's played quite a bit not with Reeves now. And that's not, it, it hasn't improved. You know, it's... Uh, Playing together, you know, they're uh, in the offensive zone only about 37% of the time. Uh, and Camp not playing with Reeves, he's down to about 30%. So it's about as bad as it can get. So it's not just a, a Ryan Reeves issue with Camp. And the, and the tough thing is you're paying Camp a lot of money to do what yes, to, to do what he's doing. Um, yeah, when they first signed Camp, it was it, we were in Nashville, I remember. Um, and when we were in Nashville for the draft, uh, we had all the staff, all the NHL staff from the athletic was all there. And I remember debating with Dom in person cause he hated it. And he's like, why are you giving 2.4 million to this guy? Like with, with a lot of term. And I was like, well, you know, you, you build like a purpose built line, you know, like, like when you played with Engvall and McKayev, like it's not sexy, but they can get the job done defensively. You can play them in tough minutes. But then it was like a few days later. You know, they, they signed Reeves and, and it was pretty clear that they weren't going to have the right personnel to play with camp. And he was either going to have to be the third line center, which I didn't like, or he was going to play on a fourth line that couldn't be a defensive line. And all of a sudden it didn't make any sense. And um, he just doesn't seem to have the same purpose that that he has in the past. And it's really concerning just because not just the cap hit, but they've signed him for a long time. And I don't that's not going to be an easy contract to move if they decide they need to at some point. Yeah, you're right. You've hit on everything. Um, I, I, that, that was the difficulty. I do that, Jonas. That you, yeah, I do you, that. 
you did yeah. a good job. And I mean, what's what's interesting, James, is like they've gone back to like burying him. Like these are his last these are his last five games for offensive. Actually, no, I'm going to do more than that. These are his last eight games for offensive zone start percentage. Zero, zero, 67. Zero, zero, zero. I mean, you might as well. I zero. Mean, like, actually, these are more games. But anyway, you get score, the sense. So, um, but but you're right. Like he, I, the problem like with him is like he needs. I I wrote about this a, a few weeks ago, and I was thinking about it, and I kind of need to tweak it a little bit. Like he needs like two really good skaters mm-hmm. beside him, like just guys to chase down mm-hmm. the pucks with him. Like you're you're talking about the personnel, and they just really can't do that. Um, but part of that is about him. Like that's that's a liability with him, right? Like if you have to put like perfect personnel around him to be okay, that's that's not great for someone. He like just your, looks. I mean, he looks a be, lot worse not yeah. playing with you know some of the guys he's been with in the past. And I think you know I, to their credit, I think some of the Leafs analytics community. Um, they looked at Engvall as a big part of his success. And I believe if you do, I, I haven't yeah. looked at this, but I know, I know this has been something people have talked about is that the splits with and without Engvall in past years. And then as soon as Engvall got traded, it's like, what's going to happen? With, like, is this guy still going to be effective? And the answer has been no. Yeah. I always thought that that was a little overblown, but I do think that there was something to it that he needed. Like he needed help. He needs like the right kind of help. And like he has one goal and it's like, I know I made a big deal out of it at the time, but like there was getting rid of Sam Lafferty was just like, it didn't make any sense. Like that was one guy who you could theoretically play with camp and like he could do some of that kind of stuff. It's funny. It was over a few hundred thousand bucks too, which is the tough thing. Yes. Silly. Like it didn't make any sense. So previous two seasons, uh, camps minutes with Engvall, 56.5% expected goals. Camp without Engvall, 41.8. 41.8. That's something that's I know has been talked about for years. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I probably should have given that more credence when they decided to bring Camp back, that it really was going to matter who he played with. And when that's the case, if it really matters who you play with, then it's probably not a guy you want to give $2.4 million to. For four years. Yes. All right, uh, let's take a break and then let's hit a few questions. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
All right, James, grab the, the question bag, pull some questions out. So for the first time ever, we used to take questions in the app, which I think I need to get back to doing, but I'm just going to have to find a way to do that. Um, so I don't, know, I don't know where your head's at on, on Twitter and Elon Musk's um, continued uh, desires to destroy it, but today I asked for questions on threads. So if you want to ask a question on the podcast, follow me on threads, because I do not have enough followers there. Um, so we have some questions, but that's the first time we've called for questions on threads. So uh, just for people, if they want to ask a question, that's where, at least for now, I'm going to be asking, but I, we're going to move it to the app at some point. Um, all right. Mr. Norman has a question for us. He says, how concerned are you about five regulation wins in 19 games? Would you put the Cernometer, uh one being the lowest and 10 being the highest, Jonas? I think it's high. I mean, I've been wanting to to sort through this and maybe you can help me sort through it, but we talk, one of the things we talked about with some of the players that they brought in is like they they brought in players who aren't very good defensively and and can't really like there weren't a lot of guys that they brought in that you looked at and you're like close game protecting the lead you want that guy on the ice i w- i wonder how much that has contributed to some of the lost leads like it's not just been them like it's also been like we were talking about the matthews line like it's been the matthews line at times but i wonder how much that's part of it is like Look at like who you're putting out in some of these games. It's concerning. I mean, you look at like regulation wins, like they are you have to scroll further really far down. Like they're right, they're in the bottom ten. Like they're tied with Seattle, Columbus. They have less regulation wins than Ottawa. Some of the wins Edmonton, they've gotten, they've had Anaheim, to like pull Calgary. Out the fire and you know, rely on their big big guys for the comeback and you know, kind of like they were trying to do in, in Pittsburgh and Yeah. It's it's not it's, it's concerning great. for sure. It's it is. not great. I mean, and you look at Boston, like Boston has 12 regulation wins. They're 14, three and three. All right. I love this handle. Brad, the blade. Apparently he is a barber. If you need a barber in Toronto, turn to Brad, the blade. Uh, Brad asks us, uh, bench miners for too many men are on the coach. Keith says he's addressed it. Has he? It's a detail issue. Has to make one wonder what other details he's been addressing. Do we have a coaching problem, et cetera, et cetera? You can kind of you can you can guess where that where that that thread is going. Um, you know, the, the Leafs have taken a lot of bench miners going back. Like under Babcock, remember they took them all the time. I bet you they lead the league over the last whatever in the Matthews era of this team. I bet they lead the league in bench minors. I haven't looked that up, but it just seems like they take a ton of them. And this year it's been a it's been a big time problem. Especially with the penalty kill as bad as it is. Yeah. To to the original question, like I don't think it's a coaching thing. Like I to me it's personnel. Like I don't know I mean some of it I like you can't the coach is not blameless. Um like I was thinking about it, James. I was thinking about some of the the changes that they made to the power play uh with Guy Boucher running it. I the more I've thought about it, the more I I don't like it. I like they had this their power play was just so dominant and was so unpredictable and relied on so many different threats. But be be more specific. Like what don't you like about where the power play's at right now? So it's completely John Tavares is like not a power play factor at all anymore. Mitch Marner is not really a power play factor at all. I thought he was pretty good on the power play in Pittsburgh, but like he's he's basically been stationed in like the left corner to kind of like sometimes he gets the puck, but like they, they're very reliant now on the two flanks on Matthews and Neander, mm-hmm. which is great. Those guys are really good shooters, but like Tavares was like one of the maybe the best power play player in the league. No, actually, could that not just be the that there's just not like Edmonton enough guys. rebounds and stuff at the net for Tavares to like collect and do something with i don't think so no like they used they they had all these little plays that they would these like almost they would make like almost little triangles and the puck carrier would have kind of two options he could go to the middle with Tavares, or he could go to the flank whether that you should do a story on this i mean i know that sometimes like the system stories don't have a wide audience but i'd 
certainly be interested in like what's different, what the players think is working or not working. The tough thing with criticizing the power play right now is they're fifth in they're fifth, fifth in the league with twenty seven percent. So they've been generating goals. I know, but look at what what was it last year? Yeah, James? just it, it yeah. was. Last, ahead, I think sorry. last year they were second and they were closer to thirty percent, if I remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but it's interesting you talk about like the mechanics. They were twenty six percent, so they're actually higher than last year. Um. Scoring is up again in the NHL. Something I've been keeping an eye on is like save percentage is down. Scoring is up. Um, you know, to have a, you know, there's there's four teams with 30% or better power play. The Devils are at 38% on the power play. Um, it's funny now. It used to be that 20% was a good power play ranking. Now there's like most teams in the league or are, are, are majority of teams are putting up a 20% on the power play. Um Unless you're Washington and you're only scoring on 6% of your power plays, which seems impossible. Yeah, oddly run by the team uh, once <laughs> yes. once coached the power play the for coach. the Leafs. Yeah, the, the, the Leafs power play coach who was so good goes to coach Washington. I don't, yeah. Maybe they're trying to run it too much through Ovechkin. I haven't seen enough of the Capitals this year to uh, make sense of that. I just thought they like they had such a perfect operation, like... Yeah, like, and, and if you look, like, Tavares is, is just not a well, so what, anymore. Like, what, he doesn't see the same opportunities. What does Keefe say about the power play, why they changed it, and, and what they're trying to do there? Well, they've, I mean, it was a topic of conversation at training camp, and a lot of the talk was they wanted to be more downhill. That was a word mm-hmm. that I think Marner used to describe Boucher's mentality. They want a lot, they want everything below mm-hmm. the dots. And, like, I don't think that that's unique, and I don't think that was, I changed. haven't really seen that, though, from but, this power play, right? I just thought Tavares was such an important part of it last year, and now he he's just not. And it almost made me like it makes me wonder if like at some point you should just put Marner and Tavares on a second unit just to make them more essential. But that's not going to happen. Obviously, they don't play enough. Yeah. So anyway, like that's a that's a little coaching thing, and and like they 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 coach it differently, like. Carberry used to do this thing, James, like before practices, like he would just have the number one unit on the ice with nobody else out there. And they would just like go through everything together and they don't do that anymore. Like it's just, it's just been different under Boucher. And like, to your point, it's working fine-ish. I just don't think it's as overwhelming as it used to be. And I mean, it could be. So let's do one more real quick one. And then, uh, We'll, we'll skedaddle for the week. Uh, the handle is Chasing Amy. Um, classic mo- classic the movie. movie. There we go. Chasing Amy wants to know, what defenseman should the Leafs try to trade for? What defenseman will they, can they acquire? Are we hoping for Petrangelo, but we're going to end up getting Justin Hall? <laughs> uh, Hall's been scratched at times in Detroit. It's interesting there that he's like not, they paid him as much as they did and gave him some term and, and congratulations to him, but he's been sitting some games. So They have a lot of guys. Yeah, well, they're doing a three goalie rotation. They're doing kind of like a seven, eight defenseman rotation. Detroit's, uh, they've been interesting. I've been I've been watching them a little bit more and I, I picked, picked up uh, Alex Lyon, the Lion King in fantasy and he had a big win there the other day. So, um, I think I'll probably be watching them more. I've got Debrinket in my pool as well, so he's been off to a good start. What um, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but um, one interesting name that's out there, and I asked you about it, was uh, Sean Walker with Philadelphia as a UFAD on a team that's um, probably not going to be in the playoff picture, even though the Flyers have been surprising. Um, but he's you know more of an offensive guy, not not a lot of size. It still really feels like it's the Calgary. D that they're going to be pursuing is it going to be Zadorov or Tanev probably or some people think both you know potentially they had they had two defensemen yeah I think they need someone I mean I would like them if I was in their management team to add someone who can actually kill penalties play difficult minutes um, because like I mean you mentioned their penalty kill like they're using the oldest skater in the league on their number one unit like I don't I don't think that that's sustainable. I don't think that that's wise. I like Tanev. I, I think Tanev would help them in a lot of different ways. But I, I would, if you're getting Tanev, I almost think you need someone else 
in addition. Like you want someone who maybe you can, who's a bit younger, who can kind of become part of your future. Like there, I've started a list. Like I, I don't want to, I want to keep working at that, but they need some different elements. And I, I worry for them. Like we know Bradtree Living likes big, sizey kind of guys. And I think there's danger in getting the wrong kind of player like that. So that would be my one qualifier. Do you do you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Got, like, it's got to be someone who can play and who can play against top lines. Yes. And, you know, you don't you don't want just size. You want you want someone with some ability, and sometimes those aren't the same things. Um, so you know, there are evaluations of, of how good the player is defensively and how they can fare against top lines, and all of those kind of things are going to be really important in making the deal. And we, I mean, we've. You know, I think we did. We when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You know, Zadorov is like a good example. Like, good player, probably best served to be a four or five. If you put him on a top pair, probably going to be exposed a little bit. But you know, if he's if he's part of a larger plan to improve the team, then I think potentially it could make sense. And you know, doesn't have a big cap hit. Tanev doesn't have a big cap hit. Um, yeah, it's just then, James. Like, don't don't then sign him to some crazy yeah. contract. When you yeah. trade for him, that's like another yeah. part of it. Um, today's your last chance to take advantage of our best offer at The Athletic. You can get a new subscription for just $1 a month for 12 months. Go to theathletic.com slash Black Friday. James, thank you. Thank you to Punch. Thank you to everybody for listening. Happy whatever. Happy December. It's almost December. It's not December yet. Uh, we'll be back next week. Goodbye, James. <laughs>